big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Sorry, I, I didn't see you. Looking straight at me. Must get injured. Well, you should be more careful, you jizz cock. What? You could have had my legs off, you piss kidney. Arsehole. Hey everybody, welcome to El Dude Brothers Podcast, episode 28, Holiday. My name is Sean, and I actually can fit my entire CV onto one side of A4 paper. <laughs> my name's Laura, and I'm also too cheap to spring for firelighters. So how do you and Phil start fires in your house, then? <laughs> we haven't got a single fireplace in this house, you know? Oh. Not, okay. not one, because it's, it's a modern house, so we don't need to start many fires. Well, that's nice. I can see Although why Although it does... That ties nicely into that it is bonfire night here tomorrow. So, uh, and actually, we are going to some uh, fireworks this evening to celebrate. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Um, I can't believe we are at this episode. I know. When we spoke about this in the summer, um, back when we spoke to the iPaper, it seemed like it was such a long way in the future, and here we are. Yeah, I don't even remember what episode we were at when we spoke to that guy, but that was, you know, end of August, so... We're probably still in season two, I would imagine. Yeah, I think we were at the end of season two then. Yeah, that's insane to me that mm. here it is. Um, yep. This is such an infamous episode. Of course, we were talking about Holiday. Um, I would really compare this episode to like the episodes of Seinfeld, Soup Nazi, or Contest. Just, you know, episodes that even some casual people are like, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of that episode. Yeah, it's, um, I think, when people that non peep show obsessives when they hear when they hear the the, the uh, hear about peep show this is the one they think of i think yeah definitely um i just yeah it's it was crazy when we finished up handyman yes or last week we were like oh next week is holiday and just wow couldn't couldn't freaking believe it no and that means um, we're that means we're oh. almost done with season four, which I also can't believe. I know, I know. And uh, we were going to talk about how not to be a boy, and you've not finished reading it, I don't think. Mm. <laughs> so you need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a week and a half to finish this book. I think I'll be able to get, I'll get definitely get it done, don't worry. It's, it's such a short book, I read it in one day. Come on, you can do it. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it today. I'll put the... Yeah, maybe. My wife's going to be like, you're reading a book? I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to have to look at her and say yes. I tried to read it last week when I drove up to Omaha to go watch wrestling, but for some reason, and this has never, ever happened to me before in my entire life, I got car sick. Like, I literally could not read this book in the car. To be fair, you will sick. get car sick if you read a book in the car. You can't read in a car. No, that has never happened to me. I read in cars oh, really? all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. See, because I'm like an avid reader and as a child even more so like I was a bit weird for books and ha carried them everywhere and would read like walking and stuff but I could never read in a car like if you try if I tried to read in a car I'd vomit yeah I've never had that as an issue before yeah. you need the audio book that's how I that is how I banged it out so quick was because like two hours of audio book and then I read the rest of it oh maybe I'll do that mm. what was funny though was um, there was a group of four of us, and one of them was a buddy of mine named Jody, and 
uh, Jody and I were the ones that got paired up for our hotel room, and he was like, oh, hey, what are you what are you reading Robert Webb's autobiography for? And I was like, oh, have you heard of Robert Webb? And he's like, oh, my God, I love Mitchell and Webb look. And I just was, I was like, really? I was like, have you watched Peep Show? And he's like, nope, never watched Peep Show. Okay. Who, who are these people? My friend Nina, I was having this conversation with her at Playgroup with our children on Tuesday. Um, and she said that she she started listening to a few of these podcasts and she liked them, but she hadn't really seen enough Peep Show to understand. And I was like, right, well, forget about the podcast. Just go and watch Peep Show. Have you been living under a rock for 20, like 15 years? Yeah, it just it seems so weird to me that somebody would be into Mitchell and Webb look appreciate Mitchell and Webb look, but then be like, yeah, that peep show thing just didn't really do anything. For yeah, me. it doesn't look like my kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so you uh, really like this episode, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, you're a massive fan of this. Yeah. Uh, I'll get into it later when we talk about some of the feedback that we've gotten, but my friend Paul really fucking loves this episode. Yes, I saw that from your notes. Yeah. It was funny because I texted him last night at about, I don't know, about 11 p.m. midnight. And Paul was out drinking. I know this because I was look, looked at his Facebook. He managed to text me back like the most succinct recap <laughs> of this episode. I, I was just like, oh, you must really like this episode. And he goes, you really this is my... know this episode. Yeah. Yeah. He said, this is my favorite episode period. This is the one that yeah. I show people when I'm trying to get them into this show. Fair play. Although I think if this had been the episode that I showed Nicole, she would have been more turned off by the show than she already was. Yeah. I think this is quite, so I'm going to put my cards on the table straight away and say, this is not one of my favorite ones, although it's not one of my least favorite ones. Um, I do, but I personally don't think that the tone of this episode is in keeping with the tone of much of what comes before. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, wow, this is going to make me guessing where this episode falls on your on your ranking list much more difficult because I would, had already kind of honed in where I was thinking, but this new piece of information you just gave me totally shatters that. So mm, okay, well we'll see. You've, you've done so well <laughs> so far. I'm just looking to see where it is and see. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd say that is pretty... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just considering to check that I don't think I've... No, I, I still agree with myself as to where I've put that. <laughs> That's good that you still agree with yourself. <laughs> I still agree with myself. All right, well, let's jump into this descent into hell, shall we? <laughs> yeah. All right, so this episode kicks off innocently enough at Apollo House. Mark has a giant bag of files, or a box of files or something yeah, he's got two box files he carries into the house yeah and he's going to be doing data entry all night and he just wants to put on big bond themes and pretend he's doing data entry for mi6 yeah um i've written in my notes that what kind of crazy company are jlb that you're expected to do data entry at home is this something that you would do in a job you've ever had nope no me neither i work from home because i get 13 weeks holiday a year but Normal people don't do that, do they? Like, Mark's not so important in the company that you should be doing data entry in the evenings. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. And also, you know, this episode came out in 2007, so technology had advanced, you know, somewhat drastically. So I can't really see why he would have to do data entry from home. No, me neither. I, um, I didn't believe in that. But maybe it was just a way to get that big bond joke in. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, Jeremy 
jumps out and he's, you know, like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And Mark just looks really more depressed than he normally does. Yeah, uh, but Jeremy's full of beans and he uh trying to get Mark to talk about the wedding that is coming up. Yep, and Mark doesn't want to talk about his pending nuptials. He's looking forward to the wedding. That's it, and that's the line, and that's all he's going to say. Yeah, um, he's very clear. He doesn't want any further discussion about it. He doesn't want to talk about his feelings. What did you think about Jeremy's shirt? I really liked his t-shirt here. It's like a green t-shirt with, and it says something like the 70s or 70s on it. Really suits him. It just looks like the kind of thing basically a massive stoner would wear. Loved it. All of Robert Webb's attire in this episode is phenomenal. Yeah, I think as well the fact that Mark is always dressed so blandly and so much like a middle-aged man out of a catalogue that therefore Jesse's attire always strikes you with how kind of out there it is and like the crazy colours and stuff. Yeah, and it's also that's also why it's so weird whenever Jeremy wears a suit, which he does somewhat frequently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant to. I actually meant to mention that in Handyman last week when they go to the the school night when he's dressed up in the very nice suit and it just really yeah. cracked me up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jeremy has a has great news from Mark. Um, Jeremy tells Mark that he loves him and Mark doesn't want to hear that, but Jeremy knows that Mark also loves him back. Um, Mark clearly does not <laughs> love Jeremy back. Um. But Jeremy has scrapped together the last of his cash to throw Mark a proper stag party. Uh, yeah, this bit really made me laugh because, uh, so me and my best friend are quite different. She's really reserved, but we're both quite English in terms of like not talking about our feelings, but I would talk about them more than her. <laughs> and when we both got married, we found it really hard to say nice things to each other about it. And it kind of was like, I love you and I'm sorry to have to say that out loud here in this setting. Um, and it just made doing anything sentimental surrounding our weddings really difficult. My best friend in high school, um, it was really awkward when he was getting ready to join the military. I told him that I loved him and that, you know, I was like, you've been a great friend to me and I, you know, I love you, buddy. And his family is not one of those that's like really open with their emotions. So I could tell that he was all like, uh, I, it was honestly, it was exactly like that scene where, uh, Jeremy tells Mark he loves him, and Mark says, "I like you. I like you too." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Have we done that episode yet? I don't think so. I think that comes on later. I think. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's later on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're gonna have a proper stag party, and despite not being able to say that he loves him as well, Mark does seem pleased that Jeremy is throwing him a stag, particularly when he hears that it's going to be on a canal boat near an Iron Age settlement. Yep. And he tells Mark that Mark can go look at Iron Age stuff while Jeremy cooks steak for dinner. He's also sent off for a chess set that has a computer setting um, in which Jeremy will pretend to play, but Mark will really be playing the computer. Um, And then Mark says that this sounds really fun, but he, you know, he says, unfortunately, he might not be getting married. Yes. Um, have you got canals in America? No. No. So canals are a foreign idea to you. I mean, I don't want to say no. I'm sure somewhere in some state there is a canal, but it is definitely not, you know, like a 
a thing where people go canal boating because I yeah, gotta tell you've you, not got like a network of canals or anything. Yeah, no, there's no network of canals because I gotta tell you that canal boating looks fucking dope and looks like the kind of thing that I would love to do. Yeah, see, I've never been on a canal. Um, when I was a child, there was a program called Rainbow, which our British listeners will be familiar with. Um, it was a children's program that ran for years about a man called Jeffrey who lived with a bear and a hippopotamus and a character with a zip on its mouth. And they all lived happily in this house. And sometimes they would go on, they would, you know, take it a bit further than playing in their garden and and go somewhere else. And in one episode that was like a special, they went on a narrowboat and I thought it looked fucking amazing and always had an ambition to do it. But as I've got older, I think it looks a bit cold and I'm not sure it's nearly always... There's like four days a year when it's hot enough to do something like that here. The rest of the time, you'd just be in a damp canal boat in March. And I just don't think (laughs) it would be much of a holiday. Uh, Yeah, I just think it looks incredible. Um, I I even remember the episode of Top Gear where they were on, went down the canal in like the hovercraft. And I just thought it looked incredible. Yeah, when we were children, we, um, so in the February half term, which is quite a bleak holiday, like a school holiday, there's never much to do. For some reason, best known to themselves, we used to go on a holiday to a place in the on the Norfolk Broads called Wroxham. Um, I think what it was, was it started off as my dad's fishing holiday. I think my dad had always done it with his friends. And then when he got married, he took my mum, who for some reason put up with this. And then when we came along, we were forced to take part in it. And we always used to stay in a house that was next to the Broads, but we used to see people on their boats, on their narrow boats going past. And again, because Rainbow was still fresh in my mind then, I always thought this looked ace. But looking back, February in Norfolk would be freezing. Sleeping in that boat would be so cold. Not for me. Yeah, and we also have no time. We also really don't know, you know, what month or anything that they're doing this. But I assume that they're doing this much later in the year. because Yeah, I don't know. Because I was looking at, when I was thinking about how cold it would be, I was sort of looking for clues. But there aren't really any leaves on the tree in this episode. So... Even though I want to think it's summer, I don't think it actually is. Yeah, also later you do see um, when Mark and Jeremy are sitting out with uh, Lucy and Aurora, you actually see Mark's breath. So it actually was, it actually does look pretty cold there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and while you were talking, I looked up the amount of canals in America. There are 18,000 canals in America. Oh, wow. That yeah. is quite a lot. Yeah, but it says... These are man-made canals in each state that have been given a name and may consist of a narrow irrigation or drainage ditch up to a large ship municipal water and or irrigation canal. So I imagine that a lot of these canals are purely for farming when you look at what states have insane amounts of canals in them. Most of them, I'm imagining, are for farming. Right. I'm just looking to see how many canals there are in written um there are let's have a look canals canals canal boats present status there are 2200 miles of navigatable canals throughout the united kingdom oh yeah see i don't know how many miles of navigatable canals there are in america but if you look on the map on wikipedia it looks like they're mainly in england there aren't many like they're in southern and central england there aren't many sort of further on north and there aren't very many in scotland but there are quite a lot in the middle of england so they uh yeah there's obviously quite a few to choose from if you're gonna go canal boating <laughs> yeah um 
but yeah, so like Mark said, um, he might not be able, he might not be getting married because we find out that Sophie is arranged to go to relationship therapy. And Mark knows that Sophie will be able to wheedle and break him down over hours and he can confess that he doesn't want to get married. And she can't yell at him because it'll be in a neutral um, environment. This really made me laugh because it seems completely in keeping with some of the ridiculous... I mean, I'm going to make a generalisation now and say ridiculous men I've known. I've known some ridiculous women as well. But why is it better for Mark to be have to go to therapy and bear his heart and be broken down than it would be to just say, look... I don't, don't think I want to marry you. Hey, <laughs> I mean, people do wild shit. Yeah, they do. But, I mean, the relationship is clearly doomed if you're in therapy before you even get married, I think. But there comes a point where action is more useful than talking. And I've always felt this about, especially about like cognitive behavioural therapy and stuff. And I think for Mark, in this situation, he needs to act rather than be in a situation where he has a chat. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Um, I did want to just go ahead, because the next scene we have, we're at the therapy session. I'm just going to go play this entire scene for everybody, and then we can talk about it. Okay. I want you both to relax. This is just a safe place where I'm going to listen to whatever you have to say. However, Oh, yeah. Here we are. The field of screams, the torture chamber, the emotional dungeon. You've got this wedding coming up. How are you both feeling? Oh, she is good. Here it comes. Let it all flood out, just gently. Mark. Me? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive. Obviously, some tiny doubts. Don't overdo it. Mainly about the catering. Well, that seems perfectly normal. Sophie, how about you? Um, well, I just wish I felt that comfortable. Hold on. Is that it? Is that my go finished? Did she just believe what I said? What kind of counselling is that? She didn't wheedle anything out of me. How am I supposed to blow my emotional beans if she doesn't at least give me a wheedle? Plus, obviously, Sophie mentioned on the phone about the sexual problems in your relationship. I'm sorry? The sexual problems in your relationship. Oh, right. Are, are there... Um, well, I, I just feel... I don't know... Unfulfilled. Unfilled? Unfulfilled. Uh, right, well, uh, I mean, I, I suppose I, I thought that uh, maybe Sophie might be one of those women who, who find it difficult or, or, or even impossible to uh, attain, to, to achieve. No, I'm definitely not one of those. Right. What would you say if you felt that you weren't going to be judged? I'd say... I'd say, um... This isn't going to be good. Often, um, Mark, you ejaculate quite a long time before I've had time to feel like I've started to enjoy our sex. Uh-huh. Thanks for that, Soph. Great. Well, I'll, I'll make a note of that. Well, th this has been great. Just a, a great... Time. Mark, it's all right. We've got 45 minutes yet. Really? 45 minutes? Oh, great. So I'll be spending one pound a minute to hear how shit I am at sex. Now that's value for money. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just love that when, when uh, Sophie says unfulfilled and Mark just goes unfilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also really enjoy the way, the way that David Mitchell delivers the line, thanks for that, Sophie. 
when she says that she she says something like I just hope you hope wanted you to know I thought we could talk about it it's like okay thanks for that and just gets up <laughs> yeah I oh, man I can empathize with Mark here because um, it's like it fucking sucks when you have a partner who's just you know oh you're shit at sex you're shit at sex because it's the one thing that you guys should be you know good at that should be the mark of a good you know, relationship that you're fulfilled in that area. So I feel bad yeah, for Mark in this whole um, scene. I think that for Mark, even though he's not the manliest of men, I think that this is even Mark can't take being emasculated to to this extent. <laughs> no, no. Oh my God. I also really enjoy when um he tells, uh, when he says, so when he says that he just thinks that Sophie is one of those women that can't, you know, and she just looks at him and she's just like, no, I'm definitely one of those women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's really well done. Or not I one of those, not one of those women. Yeah, I think as well that um, it sort of shows us the side to Sophie that is, is admirable because even though she can be an absolute pain in the ass, I enjoy that Sophie has um, been bold enough to think something's wrong and that she wants to talk about it in a, you know, to talk about it with him, even if it has to be in a kind of therapy session. Um and I think that those are qualities in Sophie that are positive, but for someone like Mark, it just marks her out as someone that he cannot be with. No. I think I think I think therapy can be helpful even in a case where a relationship can't be saved, because at least you can maybe be more amicable about the separation at least. Scene on the Shropshire Union Canal, which I did a little research on this canal. Are you ready to hear what I found? Yep. Okay, so despite the fact that they say that this is the Shropshire Union Canal, this is really the Grand Union Canal, the uh, canal that they are allegedly on is in Wales, and it goes between a city called Montgomery, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, so if we have any Welsh listeners, please, <laughs> I am trying to do the best that I can here. It goes between Montgomery and a city called Langothan. I think you'd say that Lang Langolan. I don't know for sure, but uh, yeah, I think okay. it's Langolan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, however, because of where this alleged canal is, there is some discrepancies later uh, in terms of distance traveled that we'll discuss. But did uh, you um, did you manage to find any information about as to why they might have completely fucked up their geography? Do you think it was a fuck up, or do you think it was on purpose, or? We'll talk about that when we get there, but it's really fucked because they they say the Shropshire Union Canal, which is in Wales, but the pub that they go to later where they meet up with Lucy and um, Aurora, they say is in Garrington, I think, and Garrington is in Oxford, and so <laughs> I did a distance to see if like maybe this was a distance they could have traveled, and it was a hundred and... 80 miles between uh, Langellan and Garrington. It was 180 miles, and that was as the crow flies. Um, right, so no, that was, yeah, I, I don't know because I, I'm not completely familiar with the geography of those places, but, and I don't know much about canals, but it does seem like, it seems like either make it fictional or not, and I don't know why they've, they've done this where it's all such a muddle, but... Yeah, we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, and just for our, our listeners that actually do the metric system, which is the proper system, 180 miles is 289 kilometers. I did that um, 
I figured that out for everybody. So that just everybody's Thank on the same page much. here. Yeah, good, no problem. Good to be metric. Yeah, no problem. Um, as they are on the, so we see them on the canal boat, and um, Mark is he's in charge of the boat and he's wearing a captain's hat, which is marvelous. I love the captain's hat here. Um, and Jeremy is trying to be enthusiastic and trying to kind of get this party started, and he tells Mark to speed up a bit, and Mark says that this is as fast as the boat goes. Yeah. Oh my God, that this whole scene just really, really cracks me up from, um, you know, they're, they're at top speed and they're still moving really slow. And Jeremy's like, Oh, what happens if we hit trouble? And Mark's like, uh, I don't think there will be any trouble on the Shropshire union canal. <laughs> and Jeremy's yeah. like, what about waves or mad shit? And then he asks if he can water, excuse me. Uh, he asks if he can water ski and Mark welcomes him to try the look on Jeremy's face is so goddamn funny because at this point he knows he's in fucking hell. Yeah, and I completely identified with Jeremy here. This is completely how I feel about this sort of thing. Jeremy suggests that they stop and get a drink because he's, you know, going to need to be drunk if this is what they're doing. Mark says no because it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. But I'm very much on Jeremy's side here. I think if you're on a stag, you, or a hen, my philosophy here is I don't want to do water sports. I don't want to glamp. I want to be as drunk as possible all the time. So let's keep that in a small period of time. Let's have a night out where I can be pissed and have fun rather than spread it out over three days where I've got to do pottery with some <laughs> fucking women and be sober. So I'm with Jeremy here. I, I think he needs to be drunk to have fun. Yeah, I don't blame him. Um, my bachelor party, I was just pretty much tanked throughout the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, me too. My hen was very drunk and I am not sorry for that. Yeah. Um, so Jeremy asks Mark what exactly they can do besides freeze their ass off and talk to each other. Mark says they can talk about stuff, they can banter, and they can chat. I, f I felt so bad for Mark in this scene because his face, he just looks so defeated. Because um, he just, he says, isn't this what you had in mind when you organized this thing? And it was clearly not what Jeremy had in mind when he organized this no, summer. I mean, I kind of, Jeremy, I so often feel this with Jeremy, that his heart's in the right place, and this comes up again, uh, I think in the next series, yes, I think it is in the next series, uh, or maybe the series after, when he goes on the rampage with the credit card and buys a violin for Mark, and that he wants to do kind things for Mark, but he just always gets it really wrong, and this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, this whole weekend is a perfect example of that where he plans this perfect weekend and then it just all goes to hell mm, yeah um one other thing that i really noticed and appreciated in this episode was how much weight david mitchell has lost and how the beard is really flattering on him yes um certainly here or maybe it's because like the sun's directly in his face or it's the like the lighting outside or whatever but uh he's got one of those faces that really facial hair is a good thing for a face like that like he's he looks too clean shaven he looks almost boyish like he's it's not flattering for him to be clean shaven no no and especially the outfit that he's wearing like the little captain's outfit he just <laughs> looks terrible yeah it really does uh, um go ahead jeremy then so obviously marcus said that they need to chat so jeremy decides to ask him how he now feels now the wedding's back on track and Mark's like, no, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. So Mark specifically said, let's talk about something. And the first subject that Jeremy comes up with, Mark rejects. Yeah. So then 
so then Mark tries to lead the conversation next, and then he just goes, uh, or Jeremy just goes, well, you pick something then, and Mark is just quiet for about, I don't know, five to ten seconds, and then he's just like, hey, isn't that a kingfisher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's very well done as well. The look on his face, like, he's got genuine childish glee on his face as he sort of points over to what he thinks is the kingfisher. Yeah, and um, Jeremy's just having none of this bullshit, and he says they should talk about something proper like films, and Mark is just like, God damn it. I don't want to talk about films because I'm tired. This is another hour of my life I won't get back, explaining to Jeremy exactly what The Matrix is. Yeah, and um, then Jeremy continues to look unhappy, and he's got a really good, pissed-off look on his face at this point. Um. <laughs> He's all got his arms crossed and his face is screwed up and it's really well done by Robert Webb. Yeah, and then he has this internal line where he thinks, well, this is ma one massive dry hump. Maybe the pressure will build to the point where we actually try to fuck each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I This whole back and forth between these two is just... It It is just their characters 100%. Yeah, it's, it's well done. Yeah. Um, so later on, we are in... I put the stateroom, but I don't really think a canal boat has a stateroom, so it's just kind of like their little living area that's yeah. under the deck. Um, it's night, and the boat is moored up, and Jeremy and Mark are in the living area, and they're playing chess. Uh, Jeremy has this plastic bottle that he just keeps hitting himself over and over <laughs> in the head with. It really reminded me of, this is the sort of thing that kids do at school all the time, and particularly like like disenchanted teenage boys who you're trying to teach about Macbeth. This is exactly the kind of little tip they have where they, they're poking themselves in the eye with a pen or knocking themselves over the head with a water bottle or something when literally their brains are frying and it's really well done to see Jeremy doing this as he struggles to play chess. Yeah. And Mark just is looking at him and he's like, you told me you would do this with enthusiasm. <laughs> Yeah, and Jeremy just says, look, I hate this. Like He says, you can so tell this game is over a thousand years old. And Mark takes that to be a compliment to the game of chess and is like, yeah, it's very sophisticated. And Jeremy just looks at him witheringly. Yeah, I always wanted to learn how to play chess. When I was deployed, there was a guy that was in my, uh, that I was deployed with who said, you know, he had a, a, uh, a chess book that was like, you know, 50 classic chess openings. And he was always reading that, and he had, like, a little magnetic chessboard, and he would always just be playing, like, little games against himself. And I don't know if he ever got better at chess, but he certainly had the openings down. My granddad was a massive fan of chess, but never had anyone to play with. So as soon as I got to be about, like, 10, he decided he was going to teach me, and I was not a very enthusiastic scholar. And he had one of those sets, like, they've got where the computer can play against you, so... The first few times it was like he'd get me to play against the computer and then he'd show me how he would play against the computer. And I just, looking back, my granddad was such a, a nice, he was such a sort of gentle, kind man. He just wanted someone to play chess with and I was such a bad partner. <laughs> yeah, it it's hard, you know, when you're trying to learn a game and you always have a, a bad partner because it doesn't really help anybody. No, no. <laughs> um, Jeremy just doesn't even know who's winning and he's really tired of playing and he just tells Mark to piss in a bottle uh, in the bottle and uh so he can drink it and Mark just is like what for and Jeremy's just like for a laugh it's a stag 
and Mark just says, I don't want you to drink your piss. I would, I don't want you to drink my piss. I would feel violated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was obviously a, um, it's a nice little, uh, sort of precursor to what goes on in series nine, because obviously Jeremy does take to drinking his own piss later on. So that made me smile. Um, but Jeremy's just really unhappy that Mark won't even let him uh, drink his piss and just says it's liquid waste. And he says, look, I'd let you might drink my piss. And then this sort of degenerates into him saying, look, we need to go out. We need to do something. Yeah, we need to go out and get you some sweet Punani action. And Mark just looks at him and he's like, I don't want sweet Punani action. I want to take your bishop and grind you down. And then Jez is just like, here, take all of my pieces. And he just slides like all of the pieces over to Mark. And Mark is just like, ugh. I wish I was really on this stag with the chess computer. <laughs> yeah, I wish I lived with the chess computer. And that, that got me thinking about, actually, that would be the perfect companion for Mark. I could see him having a much better life with the chess computer. Yeah, I could, or just a computer in general. I could just, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the next scene is in a pub and they uh, walk in and it's not, it's not a particularly happening pub. It's a quiet kind of old man's pub. And they walk into the bar and Jeremy is singing a little song uh, saying that he's stagging him. And he sings, this is your stag to the tune of This Is Your Life. This is your stag. <laughs> and all just Mark and ale, uh, no, a yard of ale. He says two yards of ale and Mark is, he thinks that's an excessive amount of beer. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to get drunk. I want to be asleep by almost 11. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy points out two women who are behind them eating and Jeremy points them out and Mark says he doesn't want to interrupt them. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy's just like, oh, they want it. They want it. And Mark tells Jeremy, you know, people just don't go around wanting it. This isn't Zoo magazine. People have a wide range of emotional states. Pensive, full of hubris, melancholic, amused or numb. And Jeremy's just like, that's bollocks. They are hot and they want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we see for the first time Lucy and Aurora who was sitting at the table eating. And I'm not sure who Aurora is played by, but Lucy is played by Katie Brand, who is a female comic uh, in this country, who is on a wide variety of panel shows. She had her own sketch show for a while. Um, she's quite funny. Uh, Aurora is played by an actress named Kara Hogan. And when I looked on IMDb, it really doesn't look like that she's done much. Right. Yeah. I haven't. She doesn't ring a bell with me. I remembered you telling me that the actress who played Lucy was quite well-known was she yeah. one of the ones that um god dang who was the one that we had a couple weeks ago that you were like oh she was really popular but then she just got annoying yeah this was her yeah she was everywhere so oh okay some of this was yeah the summer this was on she was absolutely everywhere in everything on everything and that and her sketch show was quite funny and then she was sort of overexposure and she's continued like she does still do panel shows and stuff but she never quite hit the peak that she had in like 2007 2008 um with her popularity which i think is a shame because i think with the right show or the right showcasing she could have been really funny but as it was she just sort of was on everything on itv2 and then disappeared yeah well she's really funny in this scene because yeah or in this episode i should say because lucy is fucking horrible and perfect for mark at the same time yeah um, they actually invite Mark and Jess to sit with them. They're happy to be interrupted, and they introduce themselves. Yeah. Uh, they mention that Mark and Jez are the first people to talk to them since the British Kidney Foundation guy with the stickers. And Lucy just is like, oh, yeah, Mr. Freebie looking for a handout. 
And yeah, yeah this is the first indication that Lucy is an arsehole. Yeah, that's, you know, basically just conservatism 101 right there. And I'm sure yeah. Mark Mark's ears were kind of twinging a little bit. Like, ooh, yeah. I yeah. agree with this. Um, I also, uh, watch it, re-watching this now, I remember at the time thinking, who the fuck's called Aurora, other than Sleeping Beauty? <laughs> but this is suddenly a baby name that has completely gone mad over here, maybe just in London. But... There are loads of babies called Aurora. It's the new Ophelia. Every third every third baby girl is called Aurora at the moment. Yeah, it's a popular name over here too. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure about the name Aurora. But when I was a child, I used to really like Sleeping Beauty and being the egotistical four-year-old I was, when they sing Hail to the Princess Aurora, I thought they were saying Hail to the Princess Laura. So I used to sing that whilst walking around the house. <laughs> <laughs> Do your parents have this on videotape anywhere that we can put I don't put think they do, the but website? my mum brings it up quite often and will still sing it to me. Oh, your mom is great. <laughs> I like that Jeremy just pretty much just shuts Lucy down right then and there, and he just asks what kind of drink they want. Do you guys want a foot of wine? And Lu- Lucy just says she wants a meter of vodka with an inch of tonic. Yeah, and Mark has his internal monologue. is come on, Mark, turn it on, play the game. And he decides to say that they're naughty because they've mixed metric and imperial and says that they might get some sort of interdenominational and kind of trails off. The joke doesn't really work. <laughs> um, he is dying a thousand deaths. But now Article 50 has been triggered and we're out of the EU or going out of the EU. Obviously, this wouldn't be so much of a problem anymore. We, there'd be no interdenominational fines. Yeah. Um, I, I like this, Mark. Just He's like, just stay mute, Mark. Go back to being a social freak remain in your compound <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so apparently the women weren't weren't that turned off by mark being a freak because they do invite mark and jez back to their canal boat yeah um and aurora and jeremy are talking and jeremy's doing the whole musician stick on her yeah um she wants to know what jeremy's band is called and he says right now they're called various artists and that's in order to fuck over all those people with ipods he thinks it'll set them back two or three years, which is cool, which I really didn't understand this line. Um, I don't, yeah, I didn't really get this line. Do you still do you still not understand it? Or are you saying you didn't get it at the time? No, I still don't get it. I mean, I get what he's saying that, you know, it's going to, whatever popularity they were going to have, it's going to set them back two to three years. But I don't really get why that's cool to him. I guess it's because he's saying, like, they're such, this is the way I've always taken it, is that they're such... Like, they're so artists that are so true to their musical vision that it doesn't matter to them if they get set back as long as they're putting their message out there, which is the truth. Oh, okay. I could I could go with that. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I've taken it to mean. Um, I thought this iPod comment really aged this episode because surely now that's just everyone with th- thumbs. Like, it's not out of the ordinary to have an iPod, is it? Whereas, obviously, then it was like... Clearly, it was yuppies who had iPads, uh, iPods or whatever rather than just, you know every other person on the street yeah it's weird uh somebody at my at my work has an ipod and they had it charging on their desk and i walked past their desk and i was like is that a fucking ipod holy shit that's an ipod and uh it was just just don't really see them anymore because everyone listens to music on their iphones don't they or their their other other phones are available yeah i mean it's not just iphones that can play music laura no no i mean you know i'm a complete uh, cheap and have an iPhone and an iMac and a 
not really through any particular wankerism other than that I got an iPhone and I think once you've had an iPhone you can't really go back <laughs> if you're just a Luddite like me I'm not I'm not technically minded they just work I'm never like they've got me now they've got me in their grip and I'll be here till I die are you gonna get your iPhone X no not I have no need for one not immediately like when it comes as part of my phone package in about seven years, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and like especially lay out money to get one, but I'm I yeah, I am one of those people that I do like my iPhone. Like it just it just does what it's meant to do. Is Phil like a real techie guy or is he kind of like No, you he's just... exactly the same as me. We both got iPhones because we don't have to put too much effort into making them work and yeah, that's it really. It's like we're not very technically minded. We do stream all our stuff now. We don't have any DVDs or anything like that. But again, that's through like Apple TV because they've got us. <laughs> yeah, from the Apple TV to your iMac to your phone and then to your iPad and pretty soon. We actually you're... don't have an iPad. Actually, that is the one thing we do not have. Uh, but we've just got no need for one. Pretty soon you'll have your like eye implant and. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Did you ever watch that episode of Black Mirror where they? Um, I've got the thing that records their like thoughts, the chip in their brain, oh. and it's like they can rewind what happens. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what that's what Apple are going to do next. I'm almost certain of that. Like, they're working on it. Uh, the the one episode of of Black Mirror that I think is probably the most realistic one soon is the um, the one where everybody rates each other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could see that one coming to fruition within the next like five years oh i'd give i'd give you four stars i reckon <laughs> uh my my stars wouldn't be worth shit because i wouldn't have enough five star friends <laughs> yeah. all my friends are are solid four and a half um <laughs> uh, so they're sitting on this canal boat and they're all just kind of having a good time. Mark is kind of paired off with Lucy and Jeremy is kind of paired off with Aurora. Um, Mark is highly complimentary of Lucy in the canal boat and Lucy reveals that this boat is her dad's and Mark just says, oh, you know, the upkeep costs must be frightening, not to mention the mooring costs. And Jeremy's just like, Jesus, he really knows how to kill a vibe. Yeah, um, at this point we meet Mummy the dog who is probably the most tragic character in all of Peep Show. I agree with um, you. <laughs> and you can tell that Aurora is very in attached to this dog. This dog means a lot to her. Yeah, it's just, it's a horrible, horrible foreshadowing of what's to come. Uh, uh, yes, because we find out that her actual mother is dead. Yeah. And uh, in addition, we also find out that Mummy, the dog, just had a, uh, a litter of puppies and Laura... Or, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, Laura. You're doing it now. <laughs> Aurora. Fuck. This is going to be tough. Aurora just looks at Mummy and she's like, Naughty, slutty Mummy just had a pack of puppies or something along those lines. I just like how she calls Mummy naughty and slutty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Lucy just, you know, cuts through the bullshit and just says to Mark, do you have a girlfriend? She's not messing around. Nope. And Mark hesitates and says no and justifies it in his own mind by thinking that a fiancé isn't actually a girlfriend. So, <laughs> all cool. Yeah. Um, I identify with this because I was, previously when I was engaged to someone that I probably shouldn't have been or definitely shouldn't have been engaged to, 
I I never I just just for the the court transcript of this uh, podcast I never cheated on him. But I did on one occasion got talking to a, a very attractive man in a bar and thought, well, I'll just take my engagement ring off and put it on the other hand. So I did to chat to this fella, and um, and I thought, well, you know. I didn't actually lie to him. Like, when he asked me if I had a boyfriend, I said I didn't. And, you know, I don't. So, yeah, me and Mark. <laughs> the same. Yeah. Um, Lucy overshares, and she mentions that she had, like, a real hippie boyfriend named Benny. Um, she finally got tired of him umming and awing, which I assume she is meaning in relation to proposing to her. Is that how you took it? Yeah, that? that's what I took it to mean as well. Okay. Yeah. And finally, she just told him to shit or get off the pot, and he got off the pot quick, like a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark, at this point, looks completely overwhelmed with Lucy and clearly isn't attracted to her, but he's polite. Yeah. Uh, Lucy and Aurora, they decide to go search for the boat to find the hidden bottle of vodka. Um, Mark thinks, great, this is going to be an orgy, disapp- disappointing three people instead of one. Um, nice little callback to Gail's place in. Yeah, um, yeah. He never wanted a threesome then, and he doesn't want. He doesn't want to force him now. No, especially because he knows he's shit at sex now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But one person on this boat is excited, and that is Jeremy, who says, "You know, things are happening," and he tells Mark that he's allowed a freebie on his stag, which I can tell you, no, that is not true. Yeah, I would be pretty unhappy if to 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 hear that my fiance thought that. Um, and then he says, you know, remember Peggy Stag doing Estonia and that, you know, do you, do you, he gave his girlfriend that aggressive yeast infection, but, you know, he did it because it was a stag. And um, and then he says, Mark says that he doesn't fancy Lucy. And Jeremy says, do you think Pedge fancied that prostitute? <laughs> um, in your mind's eye, what does this hooker look like to you? So I'm kind of imagining her, like, when we went to Amsterdam and you walk down, like, the the main bit, and see the girls in the windows, you know, obviously they're really hot and they're young. But as you keep going further away from the city centre, they get older and ropier. And I'm imagining that they probably went to the cheaper end of uh, the Estonian, wh- wherever the prostitutes hang out in Estonia. So I'm imagining the kind of cheaper end with the, the older ladies. What about you? Uh, I imagined her as some, um, you know, like village woman, you know, like older, kind of hunched over with like the little... <laughs> um, like the little thing wrapped around her head to keep her ears warm. <laughs> and like a tooth missing at the front. Yeah, yeah. Like probably somebody you would see in a in a Disney movie, you know, living in like yeah. like the old woman that lives in, I don't know, some village in a Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, my cat, Superhands, his, his brother, who's no longer with us, was called Pedge. And, uh, and this really made me laugh thinking about... Uh, why we called him Pedge and the fact that this anecdote about Pedge is so great and how sad I am that we never met Pedge in Peep Show. Yeah. Although we've talked about this before and I'm kind of glad you don't because Pedge is just, he's a much better character in your in your mind's eye than... That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark doesn't want to get it on with Lucy. He doesn't even like her. Oh, you already talked about that. Excuse me. Um, Mark wants to leave, but Jeremy refuses to let Mark leave, and he just says, there are two women and two men, and Mark is going to sit there, smile, talk about something funny you've seen on reality TV, and stop going on and on about the Euro. Um, <laughs> yeah, he says, we're in the Euro now, so, you know, get over it, and Mark's like, we're not in the Euro, <laughs> like, genuinely, 
just annoyed with Jeremy's stupidity. Yeah. Um, before Mark can leave, uh, or Mark wants to leave the boat, um, he wants to go read Roy Jenkins by Winston Churchill, which is the most Mark book ever. It's not Roy Jenkins by Winston Churchill. It's Winston Churchill by Roy Jenkins. Jesus Christ, I had that totally fucking backwards. <laughs> it's Roy Jenkins on Churchill. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm fucking batting 100 with these earlier morning shows. <laughs> um, but the sisters return with the vodka, and before the night can really turn into filth, the lord of the canal boat, Malcolm, returns, and Lucy seems upset that she can't get it on with Mark tonight. Yeah, Mark, however, is pretty thankful and um, that he isn't actually going to have to have sex with her, but laments because he thinks that he fancies her so little that it could probably go on and on for hours. An endless, joyless fuck session. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently he ends up drinking way more vodka than what he intended because he does wake up the next morning in our next scene and it's the screen is black and all you just hear is Mark and he's like, I'm not wearing them. They're Hitler's boots. They're Hitler's boots. And then he kind of snaps awake and he hears the boat engine. Yeah, and he can't work out where they're moving and thinks they must have been uh, Shanghai. They've been the pirates have, have taken the boat. Uh, but when he pops his head out of the hatch, he sees that Jeremy is up and sailing the boat with the captain's hat on. Yep, and he has, it looks like he almost had like a, uh, a uh, like telescope with him too. Yes, yeah. Um... Mark is wearing pyjamas as well, the pyjamas that he always wears, that we always see. And this made me think, I've never seen a man wear pyjamas. I've never known a man who wore pyjamas. You know, that conservative side of Mark seems like pyjamas would be the thing he'd want to wear. I yeah. personally could not sleep in that amount of clothing. No. They always look uh, freshly ironed as well, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, as Mark is talking to Jeremy, Jeremy mentions that they are chasing after Lucy and Aurora and great and mark is just like great you know this is water stalking um <laughs> yeah a new one water stalking and um aurora shouts over that they're going to the lamb and flag in gassington and that the last one there is a loser yeah and this is again um where i said that i was really confused about the geography um gassington is in oxford um, near as I can tell, the Shropshire Canal is in Wales, which, like I said, is like almost 290 kilometers away. Um, although I, yeah, the it, but it does appear that this Lamb and Flag pub is actually still open, even though they're not actually at the Lamb and Flag pub. Mm, how strange. I, I, I wonder why they did that. Maybe they just used random names of places they knew to make a fictional universe. Yeah. Um, at this point, Jeremy Mark said, or Jeremy says to Mark, okay, Scotty, warp factor three, and Mark hates being Scotty, because that means Jeremy is the captain, and he's going to bang all the hot chicks while he's in the engine room getting cancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next scene that we see is them actually in the Lamb and Flag, yep. which was apparently actually the plow pub in Hertfordshire, and um, Malcolm, the dad, is sat at the table Whilst Jeremy and Aurora are on one side, um, and Mark and Lucy are on the other, having a chat with Malcolm. Yeah, uh, Jeremy is doing his "I'm a musician" with uh, routine with Aurora, who's soaking it up. Uh, Jeremy has a river of pain that starts here, and he points to his mouth, and then he just drags his finger slowly down his chest, finally down to his groin, and he just points at his dick, and he just says, "Down to here." Um, he says that this is like Jim Morrison or Russell Brand, which really made me laugh because they're not the same. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, they're not even close to being the same. No. Um, how do you feel about Russell Brand? Are you a fan or do you just think he's just a peculiar English thing that we've cultivated and should keep to ourselves? Everything I know about Russell Brand is from his marriage to Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought he, he sounded like a real asshole because Katy Perry made him send out to be an asshole. Um, yeah, I think I think the divorce was like less than friendly. Yeah, I've seen some of his movies and he's funny. Um, I don't know. So uh, Russell Brand is from the very town in which I sit or nearby. So he's a bit of a local hero to us. And um, my Russell Brand anecdote is that when he, so I don't know if you're aware of his um, proclivity for the young ladies, but when probably like 10, 15 years ago, he was the son's shagger of the year because he was just like permanently having sex with groupies. And I met him in a restaurant and he was really nice and we were chatting and he was he was really friendly and we talked for quite a long time about uh, like growing up around here and uh, what I was studying at university and he was saying that he hoped one day to do a degree, which he is now doing, so I'm glad that like, he never tried to have sex with me and he had sex with everyone, so I feel personally victimised <laughs> that Russell Brand did not come on to me when we met in that restaurant. Oh god, that's fucking funny. <laughs> Although, yeah, so, you know, I, not, not cool. Yeah, that's, that's not cool at all. Um, no, no. For some stupid fucking reason, Aurora says that Jeremy is sober enough to drive and that they'll go get groceries. Malcolm throws him the keys and asks him if he's driven a 4x4. Jeremy thinks to himself, 4x4, piece of piss, probably. Um, I noticed that you had a question that said car insurance, question mark, exclamation mark. Yeah. What's your question here? Because I can probably answer it. Well, just that you wouldn't drive someone else's car. That insurance. What is the likelihood that Jeremy is insured to drive on any car? Like, surely not. He has. That doesn't seem very likely that's, that he has that insurance. That's actually a really good question. So, yeah, I don't know what the laws are in in England. So, I will tell you what it is in the United States. Okay. In the United States, insurance follows the car and not the driver. So, as long as the person has permission to drive the vehicle, the car is covered, regardless who is driving. Yeah, that is not the case here, definitely. So you have to be either insured to drive any car, which some people are, um, but it's normally, it's very expensive, or you have to be driving for a very long time. So my dad is insured to drive on anyone's car. He's the only person I know because he's been driving for like 55 years. Um, but yeah, normally you'd have to be, you'd have to take out some sort of insurance. You can take out short-term insurance to drive someone else's car, you couldn't just get behind the wheel of anyone's car and drive it. Wow, that's crazy. I just assumed that it was the same way everywhere. No, no, definitely not. So Jeremy is driving this car without insurance. Jesus. Just to add to his list of crime sheet here. <laughs> um, as Jeremy and Aurora leave, Malcolm begins to kind of talk to Mark about his job at JLB. He calls it a scam. He says, oh, you're in the credit scam. And... Um, he also reveals that he's going to be setting up a credit call center in Bangalore. And um, Mark is just totally in love with Malcolm. And he just asks how he keeps track of all the things he's doing since his fingers are in so many different pies. Yeah. Um, Lucy then responds that dad comes up with the brainwaves and then he hires a load of little people who never went to university to work out the details. And it's just like, Lucy is just fucking dreadful. Everything about that line and everything about her demeanor is horrible. Yeah, yeah, she definitely is probably one of the more awful people we've seen in this series, and we met a lot of really awful people. Yeah, 
Uh, Malcolm then reveals that he's looking for someone to help to set up the call centre in Bangalore. And if Mark's got any contacts to offer to him, that would be great. Um, Mark's really taken aback. But then he realises that if he's in line for this, then if he's got to move to Bangalore, of course he can't marry Sophie. Yeah, and I like how he has his little um, his little line where he's just like, oh, I thought for a minute you were going to ask me. You know, just kind of fishing a little bit there. Yeah, and Malcolm points out that Mark's more of a numbers guy, um, or numbers drone, I think he calls him, yep. and that the manager, uh, he's not a manager at all, but this, you've pointed this out in your notes that he did manage Project Zoo, so that is not true. He has managed. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great, but he has. Um, yeah. At this point... <laughs> Lucy just lays her free hand on Mark's lap and just starts like dry humping. Not, I don't really want to say dry humping him, but like, you know, touching, touching him through his pants. And Mark's just like, yeah, great. Getting a job interview with a hand on my cock. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He says it reminds him of a dream he had about Alan Sugar and the Badger, uh, which is a reference to uh, Ruth Badger, who was, I don't think she won The Apprentice. I think she was just a, a finalist in The Apprentice, but she looked quite a lot like Katie Brand. Yeah, I actually had meant to write that line down to ask you about it, but I completely forgot to do it, so I was glad mm. that you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, next scene is where some real shit starts. Um, I don't know exactly what parking lot they were in, because I assumed that this was the parking lot of the convenience store that they were going to, but... In retrospect, I don't think it is. So I think they were back at the pub. Yeah, it's unclear though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, it's clear that Jeremy has zero idea how to drive this vehicle. He lurches it back and forth. He grinds gears. He just kills it. Oron mentions they normally do diesel, but Jeremy replies that unleaded is just as good, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, and reason. I was... Um... And I was shocked at this gung-ho attitude because despite the fact that I've been driving for years and filling up cars for years, I never, ever fill up a car without double-checking what I'm meant to be putting in it, even if it is my own car that I fill up every week and it never changes because I'm so paranoid about putting the wrong thing in. I had a car several years ago. Um, over here, the big thing now is ethanol fuel. Right. And um, I put some ethanol into my car and like my car was running fine to begin with and so I, I just mentioned this in passing to my dad I'm like oh yeah you know I put this whatever kind of fuel in my car my dad's like no your car has to specifically say it runs on that type of gas don't ever put that gas in your car again or you're gonna fuck up your car I was like oh okay thank you dad I will never do that again what is ethanol gas made out of alcohol it's more of a grain. I think it was more of a grain alcohol. Like, it, I think it was made out of corn or something like that. Oh, okay. That isn't, like, a thing at all here. Oh, yeah. It's over here because uh, ethanol is better for the environment and also is cheaper. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I expect it to come our way soon then. But, um, I yeah, I'm always living in fear that I'm going to put um, diesel in my unleaded car. <laughs> um. As Aurora, she gets out of the vehicle and she tells Jeremy she wants to go on a walk later. And Jeremy's just like, fuck yeah, a walk. That's great. And she also lets Mummy out of the car. Um, and then she tells Jeremy to turn the car around and get ready to go on their walk. Um, unfortunately, <sighs> Jeremy runs over Mummy. <laughs> yeah. And he, he hears the crunch. He thinks, not the dog, not the dog, looks out, sees their legs, and says, shit, the dog. 
I have to tell you, from here on out, I really love the prop dog that they have because it just looks so fucking it's so fake. so poor. Yeah, it's really, really, really rubbish. I agree with you. It always makes me laugh. And, and the fact that it just gets more and more grim as the episode goes on just really fucking cracks me up, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, later on, in the same spot, Aurora comes back to the vehicle and asks Jeremy where Mummy is. He pretends like he doesn't know what's going on. She's like, don't be silly. She was in the back. Um, and he's just like, no, like, what? And um, it turns out that she's in the rucksack that he has got over his shoulder. Yeah, uh, Aurora becomes deeply distressed here, and she begins to call for Mummy. Um, <laughs> Robert Webb is really funny in the scene, because he's just like, because Aurora is just like full bore. She's like, Mummy! Like, yelling it at the top of her lungs, and Robert Webb is just like, Mummy, come here, Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Also, you can tell he feels like a bit of a twat shouting out mummy in the middle of the car park. Yeah. Um, Aurora just looks at Jeremy and she just goes, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do without her. And Jeremy just thinks to himself, well, you're very close to finding that out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the next scene, we are on the banks of the canal. You've written in your notes the shore of the canal, but canal etiquette would be to call that the bank. Oh, okay. (laughs) And we are on the banks of the canal and Malcolm, Lucy and Mark are... Just walking, chatting. Um, Mark is still trying to sell himself as the saviour of the call centre. And Lucy continues to be awful. <laughs> her phone goes off and she says that it's her mate Carly. Um, she's, you know, she's in need of help. But it's all blah, blah, blah. I'm going to take a load of pills. Same shit, different, different day. And Mark is just like, what the hell? Like, he's voiceover. He says that she's wealthy. She comes from a nice family, but she is a horrible person. Yeah. Um, Malcolm continues to kind of just grill Mark here and ask him questions. And he asked Mark how quickly he could pick up sticks and move. And Mark is just like, oh, uh, ASAP. There's nothing tying me down. <laughs> yeah. Wherever I lay my hat, that's my home. Um, and then Malcolm sort of says, oh, Lucy like, really likes you. And uh, what do you think of her? And Mark's like, uh... and in his head, he thinks, I think she's got borderline personality disorder. But out loud, he says, I think she's lovely. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Mark just thinks he's like, oh, I should marry and Lucy and I should marry Lucy instead. But then he chides himself for just wanting to marry people. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, he's not trying to marry people. <laughs> Which we'll see a lot of in the next episode. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Lucy has borderline personality disorder, but she definitely has some sort of, like, crazy personality thing. She's just a cunt. I think she's just a horrible human being. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, So now we are back at the canal boat. Um, Mark is attempting, and I say attempting in air quotes, to call Sophie. Um, but it goes to voicemail and... But Mark reveals that he actually knows her schedule and he just waits until he knows she's going to be busy to try to call her. Yeah, sneaky. Um, He walks down into the living area of the boat and tells Jeremy excitedly about uh, Malcolm trying to get him to move to India for this job. And he says if he gets the promotion, there's no way that Sophie can come, but that Sophie will understand because this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, he then invites Jeremy out to live with him because Jeremy's just kind of like, well, what would I do? And um, Mark's like, oh, you come live with me. And Jeremy kind of thinks about it for a minute. And he's like, oh, my God, I could live like a king on 10 pounds a week. I could lay around, smoke dope, dope, do a bit of washing up before you get home. 
I'd probably get a record deal on the basis that I've been to Carnaby Street. <laughs> yeah. With that in mind, actually, I've got a friend who has, uh, she has just married an Indian guy in India. She's got British citizenship, but she's Australian. And she is now on the, just for the fact that she is a white woman with British citizenship who's got married to a local guy in this village, that like she's literally been on the front page of every newspaper in India. <laughs> and has been uh, on TV, she was on BBC World News this week, talking about how they met and what, like, how they got married in his village. So I think Jeremy might be onto something. I think he might actually get become the most famous music star in India just because he's British. She's a teacher as well, and I know that she was being spoken about like she was as rich as a king in these <laughs> newspaper reports, so it's really funny. I know, I, th- I had thought about it for a while, that if I ever just wanted to go batshit, I could save up like 50 grand, move over to India and just live like a king for the rest of my life. Yeah, I was reading something about this actually that um, like apparently if you went over to India with like the real estate money that you're likely to have from living in a country like America or Britain, that you could basically buy a palace. Like someone had sold a terrace house in London and bought a marble palace with 100 rooms somewhere in India. What? Uh, sorry, what was that? So someone had sold their house in London and with the money that they'd got from it, like, so it was just a normal terrace house with like three bedrooms and they'd managed to buy like a marble palace in a city in India with like, it had like a hundred rooms in it total. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Mm. Yeah. It's mad. Um, at this point, Mark, he kind of decides he's going to clean up around the, um, the boat and he clears off the table and he goes to throw it in the trash can um, but he kind of is chiding Jeremy about never emptying the bin, and he thinks that the bin is probably bursting with used condoms and porn. No, it is actually bursting with a dead fucking dog in the bin, and it almost looks like it was covered in, like, a loaf of bread or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mark shouts in terror and says that there's a dead beast in the bin, and Jeremy's like, stay calm, like, he doesn't want him to raise his voice, and Jeremy tells him the whole story about accidentally killing mummy, and Mark is useless he doesn't offer any advice yeah um oh my god and uh yeah so jeremy tells the mark the whole story about accidentally killing mummy and mark is just like no fucking help to jeremy whatsoever um no so he says that he and aurora looked for four hours so he then had to hide her in the bin because she'd made him make posters and mark is just like this is not a place to put a beloved family pet um (laughs) And Jeremy's like, I've got to get rid of the dog's, dog's corpse because I still want to sleep with her. And Mark is just like, yeah, great. You're disgusting. Yeah, this is a disgusting version of the great egg race. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is this washing up as an alien expression in the US? What is that question? Yeah, so do you say washing up? Did that, you know what washing up is? Oh, when he's talking about living in India? Yeah, yeah. So he says about you could do the washing up. I do the washing up before you get home. Oh, I assumed it was like do dishes or clean around yeah, the house yeah, or something like that. Dishes. Okay. Like, I thought that you used the ex- a different expression. Nope, nope. Just doing dishes. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, next scene. I don't know which scene do you think is more iconic? This one or the one at the end? The one at the end, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. This is probably the second most iconic scene in the whole series um it's mark and jez are outside in the forest and uh 
they're doing some grim work. This doesn't feel great. It's not great, Jez. That's why. There's no chance of it being traced back to us now, though, because it might have been microchipped. Exactly. No. All things considered, my career prospects, your sexual desperation, this is probably the best thing to do. There's a hell of a lot of steam. Yeah. As it turns out, dogs do seem to be mostly water. Well, it's going a bit, just not the legs. Put, put the legs back on in the middle. Maybe, maybe it'll burn better. Oh, right. I have to put the legs back on. If you hadn't refused to pay for firelighters, it would have gone by now. You shouldn't need firelighters to burn a dog, Jeremy. How would you know? Shit, it's going out. Look, I've got to get my pitch sorted before I see Malcolm. We'll have to bury it. Get the spade. What spade? You didn't bring a spade? Do you think I'm some kind of freelance dog-murdering mafia man? Oh, great. So we've got no fire, no spade. We'll just have to dig with our hands. Jeremy, there are many things I would do to help you. But digging a hole in the wintry earth with my bare hands so that you can bury the corpse of a dog you killed is not one of them. Oh, God. <laughs> the fucking prop dog that's on fire just looks so funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it when... When Mark says, well, Jeremy says there's a lot of steam and Mark says that they do turn out to be mainly water. But I actually think that it wouldn't burn even as much as it has here. Because I recently read a book about, like, this is a really weird thing to have read, but I read a book about cremation throughout the ages and like how the process of cremation has changed. And it has to be, fire has to be really hot to burn like a person or an animal and like particularly bones. I don't think the dog would have disappeared as much as it has here. I agree with you 100%. And, like, the bones never really go. So the bones have to be ground down in a way that, like, again, the middle of the dog here is completely gone. Like, the head of the dog is completely gone. Yeah. I just don't think that would happen. No. This scene is just so goddamn funny with them fighting over the fire lighters. And um, <laughs> especially at the end when uh, Jeremy is, like, digging into the ground and Mark just uh, says, there's a lot of things I would do for you, Jeremy, but digging into the cold damp ground or the cold hard ground to bury a dog is not one of them <laughs> no me and my friend Lori often say this to each other it's one of our like little recurring sayings to one another is that i would do anything for you but digging into the wintry earth with my bare hands is not one of them <laughs> it's good to know when you and your friends have a line that is just not one that you'll ever cross <laughs> yeah exactly you've got you've got to have that line exactly um next we are on the canal what did you say it was it's not the shore it's the what the bank. The bank. The bank. Yeah, uh, Jeremy is walking down the canal bank, and he's going to take Mummy's remains to one of the bins, dump and run, just like his paperboy days. But before he can implement this plan, Aurora interrupts him. I'm, I'm so frustrated by this scene. Like, I understand that previously they talked about the microchip in, but enough of this has surely gone now that the microchip has melted. Put the dog in a fucking bin, take it to a pub and leave it in the toilets, put it in the boot of someone's car. Like, I can think of a million ways to get rid of this dog. That do not include what subsequently goes on. Why didn't they just leave the fucking burned corpse in the woods? Yeah, exactly. Or put it in a carrier bag and leave it in the woods. Or put it in a carrier bag and they're next to a canal. Chuck it in the fucking canal. Yeah, there's so many things that could have gone better here than carrying it with them. You know what I would do? I would put it in a carrier bag and I would take it into the ladies' toilet somewhere and I would put it in the sanitary bin. That's what I would do with that dog. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I think I would have just left it in the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you could have, without even burning it, you could have just left it in the woods. And if she found it, then, oh, it was some tragic accident that befell mummy. Yeah, exactly. 
nothing to do with me yeah. sorry uh animal must have killed it uh another human killed it i mean yeah like you said in your notes there's a million ways to get rid of this fucking dog and <laughs> uh carrying it around in a trash bag is not one of them no, uh, no. but i do like <laughs> i do like when uh jeremy just tries to drop the trash bag with mummy discreetly on the ground and walk away but then aurora's like oh you dropped your bag of trash and um he picks up the bag of trash and he thinks just act normal i'll tell her what's happened immediately after i've come <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a gentleman yeah one of the most jeremy lines in the whole fucking thing <laughs> yeah um so we are back to lucy and aurora's canal boat uh mark has a cup copy of his cv that gerard sent to him how did mark fucking get this and where did he print it up at yeah good question don't know i thought that as well yeah um now at this point he really is actively pursuing the india job but it seems like he's maybe starting to bore malcolm a little bit which yeah malcolm doesn't seem as into him as he previously was no um, I like how at this point Mark then points out that his hobbies are history and going to the movies and then Lucy's like I also like going to movies <laughs> yeah he's like man seeks woman who likes films breathing oxygen and converting protein into muscle energy yeah um, before this scene can continue on Jez and Aurora show up and Mark is not pleased when he realizes that Jeremy still has mummy in the bag yes um I want to just go ahead and play this entire scene. I'm sure everybody that has watched this episode knows exactly what's about to come. But I don't know that we can necessarily do this scene justice talking about it. I don't even think you can do this scene justice listening to it. Like, the vi the video component of this scene is so funny with Robert Webb's face and everything. It's just hilarious chomping down on that turkey leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to just play the scene here. Okay. And then it's pretty much everything with the dog eating all the way up to the end of the episode. Okay. All right, here we go. Hi, guys. Um, we're interrupting. We should probably... Sit down, Jez. Join the party. Any luck? No, still nothing. Bollocks. Okay, Dad. Time to turn on the money hose. Up the reward. Fucking hell! He's got mummy! He's brought a dead dog into my pitch, the stupid bastard! Sorry, uh, Mark. Carry on, what were you saying? Uh, uh, yes, as I was saying, I, I love cinema, uh, especially the films of Spielberg, Lucas, and the man who did The Usual Suspects. What's in the bag? Oh, uh, Mark and I had a barbecue. Oh, barbecue. Yum. Have you got any left? No. No, not really. No, we were really hungry. You have got a bit left, I can see. It was really, really badly cooked. We didn't cook it at all well. Mark couldn't be bothered to get fire lighters. Well, uh, just keeping a handle on the purse strings there. The ABC, or always be cost-cutting. Uh-huh. Come on, Jess. I really don't think it's a good... Oh, we've only got cheese and hummus. What is it? It doesn't look very much it's turkey. like... It's turkey. It's turkey leg. Is that all right? What can I tell you? I'm no Ainsley Harriet. It looks weird. What's going on, Jeremy? Nothing. This is turkey. Look. See? Mmm, Undercooked, disgusting turkey. Hey, Mark, would you like some? No, thanks. Here, eat some turkey. No, Jeremy, it's not my turkey. I really feel since I'm eating turkey, you should eat some turkey. It was your idea to barbecue it. I really don't feel like eating turkey, Jeremy. I'm full. I'm eating dog leg. I have definitely reached a new low. What's that on it? Oh, there's hairs 
on it, Jeremy. Yes. It's just a hairy turkey. What's this? Mummy? Mummy is probably the turkey's nickname. It could easily be. Look, uh, I'll, I'll email through my references, Malcolm. Rora, I'll call you. Fuck off, Jeremy! Guess not fitting my CV onto one side of A4 is basically irrelevant now. God, probably good things didn't work out with her. She is totally overreacting. It's not like I ate her mum or her dad. Did you actually have to eat it? I don't know. I keep wondering that. But, you know, in the moment, it really did feel like I needed to eat it. Oh, oh it's just horrible. Oh. And the charred. What do you think he's? What do you think it actually is that that Robert Webb eats? Do you think it is turkey? Yeah, that's what Donnie said. Donnie said that it was actually a, a proper turkey leg. Yeah, it just looks filthy. Yeah, it's all burned and it has like chunks of hair on it, and oh god. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I just love when he's when uh, Jeremy's like, I really think that since I'm eating the turkey, you should have some of the turkey, and Mark's just like, <laughs> it's not my turkey. Not my turkey, Jeremy. I also love when he says, I'm no Ainsley Harriet as well, which is, uh, Ainsley Harriet is like a quite rubbish, like flamboyant TV chef. And I love that that's the first person that comes to mind when he's trying to think of like haute cuisine. Yeah. I also really like when Mark is like, did you really have to eat it? And Jeremy's like, I don't know. I keep wondering that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this. It did make me think, I wonder what a dog would taste like though. Oh, I think the scene is just, flawless it everything in this scene is just so goddamn funny from beginning to end this whole thing is funny i just i fucking love this episode so much <laughs> yeah i i i don't just i don't hate it but i just think it's odd when you think back to series one episode one of this program when you think back to so i always think the episode that most kind of um that is most uh shows you what series one is like is episode six of series one where they have Ray's funeral mm -hmm. and how subtle that is and how funny it is these are not the same men from this show that show like these are not the same people this is not the same it's this like the world's become much more cartoonish in this episode and i think that's what that's what gives me reservations about it and i could totally see that um it is definitely it is definitely one of the i think well for most of the people that know, and I don't know if we even mentioned this, we were interviewed by um, The Eye in August regarding this episode. And that was one thing that we both mentioned is that this this episode is just so far to the left in the comedy department that it just almost takes on a life of its own. And just com these characters just are completely different from even, I would say, the characters that were in Handyman and the characters that are in Wedding. Yeah. But, you know, I can see that it's funny. I think it's just if I'm going to be pure, a purist about it, the things that I like about Peep Show, and this, I think this always continues to be my line as the sort of the thread of how I feel about Peep Show continues. The things that I most like about Peep Show are the, I like it best when it's about humans interacting with other humans and how difficult that is. And I'm not sure that's what this episode is about. Yeah, I really enjoy the the interplay between Mark and Lucy and Jez and Aurora. They're all four of those all four of those characters are just so funny the way they communicate with each other. And also this is repeated by a couple different people in the feedback section. Um, I really enjoy how Jez is interested in Aurora purely for sex and Mark is interested in Lucy purely for a job. They, yeah, 
yeah, that definitely sums their personalities up as well, I think. Yeah. All right. I also like seeing this side of their friendship that includes an actual fondness, though, because even though they end up with the eating the dog and that there's not a lot of fondness there, like I said earlier on, Jeremy does love Mark and he is trying to do something nice for him. And so often we see that their life is just one long perpetual argument over the rent. But actually, there is something there that made them be friends in the first place. Yeah, I agree with you so much. Um, did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to to follow up on? That... Uh, let's have a look. What did I say? Mark's been reading Jenkins on Churchill for about six years. I bet he's still reading that now. Um, yeah, no, I said everything. Then, so, yeah. Okay, so before we get into feedback, let me guess where this falls on your rating scale. Okay. All right, so Handyman came in at 17. It did. I already know that you don't like this episode, that this episode is rated lower because, like, honestly, this episode would probably be in my top 10, if not my top 5. Right. Uh, But it doesn't sound like that that's where you're at. No. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to stick kind of close to Handyman. I'm going to go with 19. You're way out, mate. Way out. Way out? Um, Jesus. (laughs) Do you want to have one more guess? No, no. What is it? 33. 33? Holy shit. Yeah, 33 out. So it's in the the middle third, in the third quarter of my episodes. Wow. I didn't think you hated this episode that much. God damn. I don't know if it's that I hate this episode that much or that I like other epi- the loads of other episodes so much more. Yeah. I, I, do, you, do you know what I yeah, mean? No, no, it's that's... not like I've got uh, such a... It's not that I hate this... It's not that I've got such a revulsion for this episode. It's more that there are lots of episodes that come above it for me. But I've realised, like, without wishing to give too much away with my ratings, especially being on the Project Zeus group, um, previously the JLB Survivors, is that I... I loved season nine. So season nine takes up a lot of spots in my top quarter, in my top half. Oh, well, that's good to know. Is, uh, which is obviously fairly unusual. Maybe my list is a bit left field. But yeah, 33, I think, is a fair place for that. You know, it's not in the bottom 20, but it's not in the top either. Yeah. Um, so what I did, I reached out to Mr. Finley Grieg, who was the guy that wrote the eye paper or the eye article that we responded that yeah. we um yeah, yeah. that we recorded or were interviewed quote unquote for um and I asked him what he thought of this episode even though his article kind of you know encapsulated his thoughts on it but he he responded um I think this episode shows the two characters as extreme versions of their worst selves Jeremy failing to take responsibility for his mistakes for fear of it ruining his chance of getting laid. Mark, on the other hand, shamelessly lying and flirting with the idea of starting a new life. And this time, he is seemingly set on it until Jez ruins his chances. This episode is one great farce, but that's what makes it so enjoyable. Yeah, and I do agree with that. I think taking it out of its, like, taking them out of their universe is really good. So it's really nice to see them, like, somewhere else with other people that we've not met before. Um, And it but it could almost be a story by itself. You don't have to really know anything about the characters and what's gone on for this to just stand alone. No, that's a good point because you you get a good sense of Mark and Sophie's relationship in the therapy scene. You get a good sense of Mark and Jeremy's relationship um, just kind of throughout the episode. Mark's character. Yeah, yeah, this would be kind of a good, hey, here's all these characters. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at Doctor Who fan, who is one of our most active Twitter followers, uh, ha- hope you're having a great day. Um, they say, oh, actually, it's he. I believe that he said it was he. Hey. Uh, he says, like the rusty water in the urinal two episodes ago, the dog eating bit made my stomach turn upon first viewing. However, upon second viewing, I laughed at Jeremy eating the dog. I'm probably wrong for laughing at that as I'm someone who does not condone eating household pets. That said, I love the expression on Jeremy's face when he eats a bit of mummy and pass it off as badly cooked turkey. It really cracked me up and showcases how little shame Jeremy truly has. (laughs) That's true. I do think that we see like the worst elements of Jeremy here as that he just would do like even as he's eating that he's eating that because he still thinks there's a chance that aurora might sleep with him and that is the worst element of jeremy's personality yeah um as i said my buddy paul i sent him a text message last night and he's just said uh, my favorite episode for so many reasons the dog barbecue obviously the fact that they are both cool with different chicks at the same time although for very different reasons Jez just wants to bang while Mark just wants to escape to India. Jez actually plans the perfect stag for Mark, but then takes it too far. This is the episode I use to introduce people to the series. Cool. So. That's, yeah, that's, uh, I think it, like I say, because it does stand alone, it would be a good one to, to introduce people to if you were enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Um, and then our most heated segment of the show, we have Peep Show Culinary. I hope that we don't have to, uh, get into it with each other like we did last week but (laughs) i still maintain that biscuits and gravy is an excellent meal and the following morning after recording the episode i had biscuits and gravy and you said that it looked disgusting and the fact that the gravy was touching the eggs turned your stomach it really really did yeah i saw um on facebook though that my facebook friend sally uh was agreeing with you but she's also an american and also from the south so not to be trusted when it comes to this topic. Any Southerner is going to be a fan of biscuits and gravy. I can just, like, let me just leave that out there for you. <laughs> I actually played this... Uh, do you want to... Oh, sorry, go oh on. I was going to say, I actually played the segment, because my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, but I actually played our, our banter back and forth about biscuits and gravy for my wife, and she thought it was really, really damn funny. <laughs> Does she like biscuits and gravy? Oh, yeah. My wife loves biscuits and gravy. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things that, like, if you if you think it's normal, you think it's normal. Um, like I told you, uh, if you and Phil, when you and Phil come out here, I'm totally going to get you guys, uh, um, oh my fucking God, why can't I think of the name of the goddamn place now? Cracker Barrel. For The thing is, it would probably be delicious. Like, it's probably one of those things that would be delicious because it's dough and it's probably delicious salty gravy, but it just doesn't look right to me, like... <laughs> Why is it white? Why is the gravy white? Why is it's a milk, why is it so, it's a milk gravy? Yeah, that's not making it sound more appetizing to me. I don't even like custards. Well, usually what they do is they it is also made in a pan that has um, that sausage has been cooked in. Right. And yeah. then it has chunks of sausage in there, so the gravy itself has kind of a sausagey taste, but then there's also chunks of sausage in it. So mm, that makes it sound better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, once again, we have Peep Show Culinary with our good friend, friend of the show, Donnie Taylor. Um, I felt like that this week was a very easy one for him, but he did a good job of of kind of changing things up. So um, he says, hoping not to leave you unfulfilled, let's begin this week with Aurora's cheese and hummus. 
and to accompany our main dish later, prepare the salad that she and Lucy were having together in their pub introduction. Early in the episode, Jeremy mentions making some steaks for Mark, but obviously steak isn't going to cut it for holiday. So not wanting... So... Oh, sorry. No, you can go ahead. No, 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 that's still your bit. Go on. Oh, so not wanting to beat around the bush, the UK and most US states allow the possession and consumption of mummy meat, but double check the laws in your region to be sure. Call around to your local Chinese, Vietnamese, or Korean grocer and restaurant owner and try to find your own personal bit of mummy, cleaned, cut, packed, and priced by the pound. Oh. Dog meat is found by most connoisseurs to be delicious, aromatic red meat, somewhere in between beef and mutton. Despite those rave reviews, I expect most of you will be happier with the substitute of turkey legs, which is what Robert Webb was actually eating in this scene. If you choose turkey over mummy, make up for it in presentation by placing the dog collar or dog tags alongside your serving dish. Lastly, to drink, take your pick between a yard of ale, a foot of wine, or a metre of vodka with an inch of tonic. But if you actually plan on eating mummy, you may need all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Donnie. I'm glad that you just didn't go the easy route, but that you actually educated our listeners on possession of dog meat. That's what we do here. It's all about education. Yep, education. Um... <laughs> now, I know I finished Stranger Things. You said you were on, what, episode five? Yes, so we, we've had a bit of a hectic week one way or another, but we did manage to get through to season five. Uh, I'm not loving it. It's okay. I'm feeling like it's more of the same. I'm happy to carry on with it, but I'm not carrying on with it like, oh, I must finish this immediately. Oh, see, my wife and I were completely opposite. Um, we, watched, we watched episode one over the weekend, um, but then we just really didn't have any time to watch anything else. We watched two more episodes, I want to say Monday, then like three episodes on Tuesday and... Um, by Thursday, we were just chomping at the bit to get it done. Um, I'm hoping that, like, the, like, the next episode, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, right, this is really, like, caught me. Um, I will say that I'm finding Steve bizarrely hot in this series, which I didn't think before, but something about, like, the big 80s hair is doing it for me. You know what? You and my wife, on the same boat, because Steve yeah, ends up becoming... didn't think it in series one at all, but enjoying him. I actually really... Uh, Max's brother Billy really fucking cracks me up with that like Camaro and the heavy metal and his fucking mullet. Just he really cracks me up. He reminds me of a human version of that character in The Simpsons who is always in the the one that's in prison. Snake. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's like human version of him. <laughs> <laughs> um so the next episode that you're gonna get to, episode six, I think is really, really strong. Um Episode 7 is a little divisive. Um, I won't tell you how I felt about it, but um, from what I've heard, Episode 7 is very divisive. But Episodes 8 and 9 are really strong, and I thought the ending was was really good. Hmm, okay. Uh, we definitely will finish it. There's no way we're going to leave it unfinished. But like I say, I just feel I haven't felt grabbed yet by it. And it's understandable. I mean, I, f I feel like Season 1 was really perfect, and... I almost was a little bummed that they used the same characters for season two because I felt like that there was so much expectations for season two that it was. Yeah, maybe they could have done a Fargo and done like a completely different thing. But yeah, you're right. But um, but then I didn't like the second series of Fargo either. So it's um, yeah, it's hard. It's very hard when you've had an, an unexpected hit like that to come back with something that everyone is going to like as much. 
I really enjoy, um, I cannot remember the actor's name, the one that plays Dustin. Yeah, he's my favorite. I love him. I just love when he just like runs around swearing and he's just got such a potty mouth and it just cracks me the fuck up every time. Every every line is delivered very, very funnily, even if even if it wasn't necessarily written that way, I think. No, you are 100% right. He is a very funny character. Um, he has great interactions in the last kind of three episodes with kind of an unexpected character that he's never really had an interaction with before. So mm. it's pretty good. Cool. I was completely um, blindsided to find out that Millie Bobby Brown is British as well. I didn't know that until she was on TV over here this week. Who is? Um, so Eleven is, she's actually English. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah, she lived, they live in America now. Her family live in America. But she was, um, she lived over here till like three years ago. And she's got a completely, she's got a London accent, confusingly. Wow, I would have never guessed that. No, me neither. She's, she does an American accent very well. Yeah, wow, she does a great job of hiding her accent. Mm. Much like Hugh Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Hugh Laurie is another one who you wouldn't know. I was shocked the first time I heard Hugh Laurie talk with a British accent because House was like my introduction to Hugh Laurie. And I was like, oh, this guy's British. Yeah, like, and you can imagine for us because he'd been around for years and he was like, he was part of an iconic kind of Mitchell and Webb-esque Cambridge Footlights duo. Uh, in Fry and Laurie, and so, and he's very, very, very posh English accent. So to hear him being American, obviously, is like is very, very funny for us. But now he's got a bit of a like a transatlantic accent, I think, just naturally. And it's like, oh, Hugh, don't let yourself down. <laughs> it's also the guy that plays um, the main character on Walking Dead. Jesus Christ, I'm totally blanking. Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, I had seen him in Love Actually, so I knew that he was British. But it still trips me out now when I hear him talk at like comic cons and stuff like that and he's got his accent but i'm just so used to seeing him in walking dead with no accent see a uh, fun fact about andrew lincoln he is his real name is actually andrew clutterbuck but he changed his name to andrew lincoln because he's from lincoln and obviously it's a much smoother name than andrew clutterbuck oh again more educational things on the El Dude Brothers podcast yeah massive massive fan of Andrew Lincoln back in his so he came to prominence over here in Teachers and played Simon Casey the famous English teacher who everyone was in love with and he was beautiful and I'm always a little bit upset when I see Andrew Lincoln now with his facial hair and his like walking dead hair and he was so beautiful 15 years ago oh like when love actually came out yeah yeah, that was peak Andrew Lincoln. He can really wear a sweater. Oh, man. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Can't can't beat it. It's a, And you know, it's a great movie. It's a great Christmas movie. And my husband has never sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Jesus Christ, what? Can't, he says he can't do it. He says it's just too silly. Fucking hell. The man has got no soul. I'm not even British. And I saw that fucker in the theater and I watched it and I watch it every single Christmas. Yeah, you got to. It's it's, a, it's an absolute stone cold classic. But he's seen it in chunks, and he probably has seen the whole thing like in bits. But he's never actually sat down and like done the whole thing. He hates Hugh Grant. Oh, okay, that I could see because my love for that movie is directly related to my fucking gay man crush on Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, he's great in that as well. He's he's also pretty sexy in that. God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, we are kind of veering dangerously oh, off track uh, here, and it sounds like you <laughs> there have... Were, uh... There were two other... Th 
there were a couple of other things I wanted to oh, mention sure. yeah, go ahead. really sorry. quickly. Um, was that, so I mentioned a few weeks ago that Game Face on E4, uh, which is also available on all four with uh, written and starring Roseanne Cotty, is very funny. It's very good. It's got better as it's gone on. This week was episode five, and I was very happy to see after reviewing Handyman last week that the Orcazoid appears in it as her dad, and he is hilarious, so it's well worth watching. <laughs> he is really funny in it, and I was like, oh my god, it's the Orcazoid! And, um, and Phil was like, looked up from like, I think he was texting or something, and he was like, oh my god, it is the Orcazoid, but he's got a beard and an Irish accent, and he's quite un like I can't imagine him with beard and Irish accent. No, he's really, really funny in it. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was that I've just read Emily Morris's memoir, uh, My Shitty Twenties, which was very funny. Also, she has got um, she has got an award-winning blog, which she's been writing on for years, probably eight, nine, maybe ten years now, which is very amusing. But she's now written a memoir about having a baby when she was at university and single motherhood, and it is brilliant it is not what you would expect from a parenting memoir it is very funny uh, i would urge you to go and find a copy of it oh uh, what is her name i'm sorry emily what emily morris oh who is that for our american she, she's just she, yeah she's she's just a she's a blogger who's written a a book very good book oh what does she blog about uh so she just blogs about her life with her son um, she had a hard start to motherhood. She was at university and got pregnant by accident to a man who didn't want anything to do with their child. And she somehow made that quite bleak story very, very funny. Uh, and the memoir, the blog is all about that, but the memoir is in more detail about that. Oh, okay. Makes sense. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Well worth your time. Maybe when I finish uh, Robert Webb's book, maybe that'll be the next one on my list. <laughs> next one you go for, yeah. 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 Um, cool. So, oh yeah, I guess next week we have kind of talked about it already, but next week we have an episode that I am pretty sure I already know where it falls in your list of wedding. Mm, let me consult my list to see if like where I did put it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see if you can guess, but yeah, I'm I'm completely confident I've made the right choice with where I put that. And I was watching it this morning because I watched it after I watched uh, the episode that we just reviewed, and I was like, I fucking love this episode. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to um, review this episode with you. This episode, fucking one of my favorites. I'm just gonna plant that flag right there. I really love Wedding Number Two. Uh, wedding number one, also good. Wedding number two, even better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, with that, we will see you guys next week for L Dude Brothers Podcast episode, I think it's going to be... 29. 29, yeah. We're on the... Mm. We're almost halfway through Peep Show, and I'm excited, so... Yeah. All right, this is the L Dude Brothers signing off. And... Eh, eh, eh. Have a great day. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,